Father's Day! I hope all the dads out there are having a great day today. And for our message today, I wanted to kind of do a follow-up from my Mother's Day sermon, where I talked about what made a good mother, and how those traits could be applied to really anyone to help make them a better person. So we're going to do one of those today, where we talk about what makes a good father. And so we've been going through the parables of Jesus, and there is a parable that Jesus tells about a father and his two sons, and it's the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. So this is in Luke chapter 15, and we'll start reading it in verse 11, and then talk about it. It says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now this is a great story of redemption, and I really want to highlight the things that the father does within this story that makes him a good father to both of his sons. 
So one of the things that really stood out to me as I was reading through this passage last time was the fact that when the son demanded to have his share of the estate, that the father actually gave it to him. And this father probably knew his son. I mean, of course, he knew his son well, so he probably knew what his son intended to do with that piece of the estate. He probably knew that his son was going to sell it and go off somewhere, which just makes it all the more incredible that when his son asked for it, that his father gave it to him. So the father knew that the son was going to make a mistake, and yet the father let his son make that mistake. And this is really quite an interesting choice when you think about it, that the father didn't step in and put a stop to it. He didn't say, no, son, you need to wait until I pass on or I become too old to manage the farm. And, you know, at the appropriate time when it always takes place, then you will have your share of the estate. Instead, when the son asks for it, even though the father knew he was not going to make good decisions with it, he was going to make mistakes with it, that he still allowed him to do so. And this is an important piece for us to remember about being a father. And I'll go ahead and give the disclaimer here. I forgot to do it at the start of this sermon. Same disclaimer I just gave with my Mother's Day sermon, which is that I'm not a parent, so I'm not speaking from experience here, and I recognize that. But I do want to look at what Scripture teaches us and understand that Scripture is correct, and no matter what we've experienced in our personal life, we can always look at what Scripture teaches to give us insight into those things. So with that in mind, when I look at why the father let his son make a mistake, I realize the importance of individual people learning from their own mistakes and having that opportunity to learn from their mistakes. It's very much like what God does with us by giving us free will. Where, yes, he gives us his teaching of what is right and wrong and shows us the right and wrong paths, the right paths we should take and the wrong paths we should avoid. But he also allows us to learn from experience as well and to make those mistakes so that we can learn from them. Because you can grow up being taught what is right your whole life and reject it until you do something that's wrong, you do it the wrong way, and realize that that didn't work, and now all of a sudden this thing that you rebelled against just because it's what people were telling you to do, all of a sudden you realize how helpful that guidance is. And usually those mistakes that we make are a part of our growth. And that's something that a good father recognizes. A good father recognizes that mistakes are a part of a person's growth. And this goes very much against the idea of sheltering a child to such an extent that they never make any mistakes, or there's never any risk that they have to take. And when we do that to a child, when we prevent them from allowing to take risks, and really when we do that, not just to a child, with, but with any person, Maybe it's an employee that you're the employer of, or maybe it's someone that you're mentoring. But when we kind of bubble wrap them, right, we don't let anything 
harm them, we don't let them make any mistakes, and we make everything really easy for them, they're never, they're never able to grow as a person. You know, I, like, I play a lot of video games, and I don't like to play them on the easiest setting because it's not challenging at all, and I just breeze through it. And I want to play something that has a little bit of a challenge there. Now, I don't go to the insanity difficulty right away because I don't want to be stuck for two hours on a mission that's only supposed to take 10 minutes. You know, that's not enjoyable either. But I do want to put myself in a difficulty where I am challenged so that I can get better and better at that game and have growth in my skill set. And it's important for fathers to allow their children to do that same thing. That they allow them to face things that are challenging to them. To make mistakes, to sometimes get it wrong, so that they can grow as a person. And I knew one dad, and I, I think this example, this particular one, takes it a little bit too far the other direction. But it's such a shift from the dynamic that we usually have that I think it's worth noting the importance of. And what this father would do was every night at dinner time, when he would sit down at the dinner table with his kids, he would ask them how they failed that day. And what he was doing by that was showing them one, that everyone did fail, everyone did make mistakes. And then also when they could say how they failed and know that they were still loved despite that failure, then he could also teach them, you know, what did you learn from that failure? What did you learn from that mistake? And if they didn't have an answer, then he could give them that answer. Well, here's how you can avoid that mistake in the future. Now, I do, I do think doing that every single night does kind of push it a little bit far and can easily lead to people celebrating failure, which is not healthy. But I think the healthy parts that can come from that was that this father was communicating that it was okay for his kids to make mistakes. They would still be loved despite those mistakes, which really uh, established a setting where they could be honest with each other and still be loved. And then it also allowed him to know what they were struggling with and how they were struggling with those themes. So he could give them advice to help them with what they were dealing with. And it's important for us to realize the importance. This, this really is a shift from most modern day culture where we just try to make everyone, especially children, think that they don't make mistakes and everything is fine and you can do anything that you want to do and you'll be great at it no matter what other people say, when really that's not the truth of the world that we live in. And the better that we can help, especially children, understand that they won't always be perfect at everything, they will make mistakes, and that's okay, and to especially have that father figure in their life, you know, ideally a father, but if not a father, at least a father figure in their life that can help show them how those mistakes are not the end, 
but rather an opportunity to grow and that those mistakes are just part of that process of growth that is natural in a person's life. And again, this isn't something that only fathers can apply. That's something that all of us can apply, where we are helping people through the process of growth in their life and realizing that part of that growth process is a lot of mistakes. And rather than trying to shield people from mistakes, that you help them through those mistakes instead. Now, there still has to be some level of protection there, right? We don't want to allow people to just completely ruin their lives. That's too much of an offhands approach. We still want to protect people from failures of which there's no recovery from those failures. If there's a failure with no recovery afterwards, we want to protect them from those failures. But we still want to allow them to try things on their own, to make those mistakes, and help them learn how to grow from those mistakes. And that's what the father in this story does. Even though he knew his son wasn't going to use this estate well that he was being given, to still allow him to make that mistake, still give it to him so that he would have that opportunity to grow. Otherwise, the father would have kept it from him, and that would have led to the son just resenting him and maybe going off and making other worse mistakes. But at least in this context, the father was maintaining that control by allowing him to make a mistake that would not permanently ruin his life and recognizing that that son needed to make those mistakes in order to grow and in order for him to come back and to be satisfied with that life then with his father and with his family, which he didn't have beforehand. And of course, after the son goes and he makes the mistakes that he makes and he finds himself destitute with nothing and he's even envious of what the pigs are eating. And he comes to senses. He realizes, I made a mistake. And I need, to, I need to go home. And when he goes back, we see the father seeing him from a distance and with compassion going out to him and wrapping him in his arms. Welcoming that son back into the family, which is a difficult thing to do when you think of how rude and disrespectful it was for the son to demand that inheritance be given to him before that time. And not only was he demanding it before the time it was meant to be given to him, but after he was given to it, a piece of his family's estate he went and sold it. He gave it to someone else for his own selfish benefit. And then he takes the money he received from that and goes off, leaves the family altogether. Can you imagine being that father? How disrespected you would feel from that. It truly was that the son was rejecting that whole family even after the father gave him that gift. And yet, 
the father still loves him and forgives him, welcoming him back into the family, putting the best robe on him, putting the ring on his finger, that ring that is a symbol of status, saying that he is still my son. And it would be really easy for many of us in that situation to let our pride prevent us from granting forgiveness. To say, no, you turned your back on this family. We gave you everything we had, and you threw it back in our faces. You threw it away. You gave it to someone else, and you left us. And in order for me, as the head of this household, as the father of this family, in order for me to protect this family and make sure they're safe, you who have rejected us are no longer allowed to call this place home. I'm sure many of us, if we were in that father's situation, that's how we would feel in our heart is this pride of who we are. This is my family, and we will protect them from you who have rejected us. And yet that father doesn't allow his pride to prevent him from forgiving his son. So the son disrespected and rejected his father. And then when he went out and made mistakes, he came back, he had nothing to offer back. And from a purely logistical standpoint, the father stood to gain nothing from receiving him back. And yet he did anyways. And it's really parallel with the story of Joseph, where Joseph was ridiculed by his brothers, sold into slavery because his brothers hated him so much. And Joseph went was sold into slavery in Egypt and worked his way up to become right hand to the Pharaoh. And when his brothers returned... Joseph then had a choice of whether or not to forgive his brothers, who now stood at a lower position than he did. And it would have been very easy for Joseph to say, you made your choice on how you were going to treat me. I now stand as the second hand of Pharaoh. I stand in Egypt in a powerful place of stability and prosperity Why should I risk what I have worked for in order to accept you back? And yet, when he saw that they were repentant for what they had done, he forgave them, and he made peace with them. And that allowed Joseph to reconnect with his family not just with his brothers, but with his father as well, and with his new brother, whom he'd not met until that point. And peace was restored in that family because Joseph was willing to put his pride aside and forgive. And that is a very godly characteristic and trait that we should all aspire for, is having that desire to make peace with others, To not let our pride prevent us from being compassionate and forgiving. And that is what a good father does, as demonstrated in this parable. And I also want to look at, then, how the father interacts with the other son. 
where the other son was very much put off by his father's warm welcoming of his brother, who this brother had gone out, really rejected the family, didn't bring anything worthwhile to the table, while the whole time he was gone, this brother was doing all the hard work that needed to be done and was faithful. And yet, this other son that had returned, this prodigal son, receives this huge celebration. And he's looking at his life and saying, why is that bad behavior being celebrated and my good behavior being overlooked? And he's upset with his father. And his father goes out pleading for his son, come in and celebrate with us. And he kind of throws it back in his father's face and says, how can you do this to me? Don't you know how much I have done to you? I have been faithful and you haven't given me anything. Why are you treating me so unfairly? And I like that the father doesn't respond by saying, how dare you question me? But rather than closing that argument down, he actually opens it up more. And he becomes very transparent with his son, saying that you're always with me and everything I have is yours. If you wanted something, all you had to do was ask. I love you. I care about you. He doesn't say, you know, how dare you question me? I know what I'm doing. I'm the father. And you need to get in line. He says, no. I do love you. And what I am doing is not a mistake. It's something you simply don't understand yet. This brother, this member of our family, this person who shares our blood, went off and found himself at the lowest of lows. And he came back here, he's been returned to us, and that is something to celebrate. And rather than apologizing to you for what I am doing, what, what I've done that's offended you. He's saying, instead, I want you to understand why this is important and to understand that you are just as important to me as he is. And so what we see the father doing here is being completely open and honest and transparent with this son. And this is probably one of the hardest traits for many fathers to do, many fathers to incorporate in their life, is a willingness to open up their hearts to others. That's something that's very difficult to do. Because as fathers and as men of the household, we understand that we have a role and responsibility to protect those we care about to protect those we love, to protect our family. And we don't want to let anything harm them. And so we, we understand that in order to protect, there is a certain toughness that you need to have. Because you can't be fragile and protect. You need that strength. 
but it's important for us to understand that transparency and opening up our hearts to others does not mean that we are fragile. And in fact, it's important for us and necessary for us to be willing and able to open up our hearts, especially to those we love, so that we can protect them better. And particularly as men, what we want to do is strengthen ourselves and make ourselves tough to defend. But oftentimes we take that to the point where we're not letting anyone inside. And so we've kind of built ourselves like a fortress with strong walls and a strong gate. But sometimes we get to the point where in order to make sure our fortress stands, we leave that gate closed so that nobody can get in and do any damage. And in doing so, we even leave that gate down to the people who we want to protect. And even those closest to us, our spouses, our children, we won't let them in because we're worried of the fortress collapsing. And it takes us to a place where the purpose that we are trying to accomplish, we're no longer accomplishing it because we focus so hard on building up those strong walls that we're no longer letting anyone inside and no longer protecting anyone but ourselves. And in order to be a good father, we have to allow our gates to be opened to let in those we want to protect so that we can protect them better. And not only so that we can protect them, but also so that they can help us. See, if a fortress doesn't have anyone inside and it never lets anyone inside of it, that fortress will eventually crumble away because there's no one there to maintain that fortress. And God has established the family unit to function where not only does the fortress stand to protect, but that those inside can help support that fortress and keep it strong. But in order for us to allow that support to come in, to keep us strong, we have to be willing to open up our hearts to those that want to support us. And especially with children, and especially with a father and his son, that son is going to be a fortress someday too, or should be. And unless he's able to see how his father protects, he'll never learn that skill. And unless the father is willing to be open and transparent about what's going on in his own heart, the son will never learn how to emulate those traits of his father. Yes, we need to be strong. Yes, we need to protect. But doing so doesn't mean isolation from everyone. And rather, when we open ourselves up and are honest and transparent 
with those around us who love and support us and who we love and want to support. As we're honest with them, we are able to protect them better because we are allowing, allowing them to support us and keep us strong. And we are also teaching them how to emulate that protection for others as well. And the father in this story does all of these things. He allows his son to make a mistake. He is there to forgive him, not allowing his pride to get in the way, but reestablishes this peace with him in the family. And he is honest and transparent about what he is doing and why he is doing it in order to impart that wisdom onto his children. These are the traits of a good father. Allowing growth, desiring peace, and allowing honesty. And so my question I'll leave us with today is do you practice these characteristics? Do you practice growth, peace, and honesty in your interactions with others? It not only makes a good father, but it makes a good follower of Christ. And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and have a happy Father's Day. Thank you.